Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and filling in tonight for... Zach Kelberman is one of my partners in crime at MHH. Nick Kendall, been with me now, I want to say, three and a half years going on. We're in probably year four working together, I would say, something like that. But he was kind enough to fill in on short notice tonight. Nick, how you doing, brother? Hey, uh, considering everything going on and the, the chaos of the universe, I am uh, yeah. doing pretty well. A heads up, anybody following me on Twitter, the cat's back home today. I had past three nights in the animal hospital, so... Good news on that and the personal front, and it looks like it's going to be 90s here tomorrow. So as tradition for Carl and I, I have to talk a little bit of weather before we get going because we're, we're basic. So, you know, things are, things are okay. Well, I'm glad to hear the kitty cat is back home and on the road to recovery. That is definitely good. Um, tonight, guys, we, what we want to talk about is an interesting article that Thomas Hall published at milehighhuddle.com that kind of um, – predicts five Broncos vets that the analytics kind of suggest based on the way Thomas interpreted them that are, are, could be poised, could be poised for a big 2020 season. And Nick and I are going to get to that. But first, Nick, I wanted to get your thoughts. We'll get to the matters of business here in a minute. Welcome everybody in that's been hanging out in the room. I wanted to get your thoughts on the last four days. There's been a picture floating around a couple of pictures, actually of drew lock being spotted in uh, well, let me pull up the article. 
Uh, I want to say it was, bear with me one second, a local park just outside of Denver. It was Lone Tree. That's right. They were in Lone Tree. And it was captured by a Twitter account. I won't use the name here on uh, on a live stream, but you guys can find the article at milehighhuddle.com and see this for yourself. But it was interesting because I'm looking at this practice session that he that he put together to throw, and you can tell it's organized. There's stuff happening here. I could pick out – I could make out clearly – one Bronco, and that is Philip Lindsay. Were you able to clearly make out anyone else that you could tie directly to the orange and blue, aside from Drew Locke, of course? I thought I could see uh, Cortland Sutton in it too, but don't quote me on that. The one who was obvious was Lindsay and Locke. So, right. Once. But hey, man, he's doing what he can to uh, get the band together and, and get things moving as far as building on the chemistry that he established late last season. We're hoping that players and coaches are going to be able to return to facilities across the NFL sometime in June. We don't have a date exactly yet. We know that the NFL has allowed teams to start coming back, and and as long as certain safety protocols have been put in place, and the Broncos have done that with Brittany Bowen kind of spearheading it. John Elway last week returned along with the scouting, the front office guys and other team employees and whatnot. But we're hoping, Nick, that players and coaches across the league can return back to facilities and start doing some of this stuff on official terms instead of having to get the dudes together in a park and, you know, hope they don't draw too much of a crowd and try and get some work done. Yeah. I mean, that's the goal. I know that Drew Locke worked with Peyton Manning kind of cultivating a plan for the off season. And that kind of went out the window with everything going on. So maybe you'll reach back out to Peyton Manning now that his golf game is done. It looks like it was good enough for me. Maybe he doesn't have to practice up after that game with uh, Tiger Woods and Tom Brady, but obviously getting everybody back in the facility safely when they can and starting to get in the work on the Shermer offense and getting the chemistry down with these new weapons. It's, it's going to be really important. So, I mean, it's maybe fair or unfair to Drew Locke considering he only has five games started last year, new offense, new weapons, but this is, this is a, a Drew Locke evaluation year. And so he needs every single advantage he can get because Really, if he struggles, I mean, you could see the Broncos going towards a free agent quarterback. I mean, right or wrong. Obviously, there needs to be some nuance in that on how he plays. The team evaluation is going to be huge, but that's going to be big. Indeed. You know, one of the more optimistic takeaways that I had from looking at those images and doing a quick write-up at milehuddle.com today is just that Philip Lindsay's there with him. I'm sure there are other receivers, other Broncos teammates there with him that we just couldn't quite make out from the distance of this shot that was made. Uh, or taken, I should say. But it's really encouraging to see Philip Lindsay out there on the grass and ostensibly trying to brush up on his receiving chops because, you know, he ended last season. This was still with Rich Scangarello as the offensive coordinator. He ended the 2019 campaign as he's clearing out his locker, talking to local media, what's your plan for the offseason, what's your focus, this and that, talking about the priority for him to brush up and hone his receiving chops Two months later, three months later, whatever it ends up being, he sees the Denver Broncos hand Melvin Gordon $16 million. Basically, because of what he brings to the table, I know he's a, we, we all know he's a good running back, but the, the receiving skills, right, were, were talked about so much by the coaches, by Elway, in terms of why Gordon, and we know how important that is to Pat Shermer. So Lindsey sees that, and he'd already had you know the goal of getting out and, do, and, and beginning to work on his receiving skills. So it's good to see him out there, and of course, as well, two team leaders, Drew Locke and Philip Lindsay are going to be relied on as two younger guys on this roster that are going to be expected to lead in 2020. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I want to add on to your point about Melvin Gordon. It's not just the receiving chops, but it's the blocking chops as well. I mean, bless his heart, Philip Lindsay, when he goes out there, he can be a dog and put his nose in there and really try to take on a un- unimpeded defender. But that size, I mean, sometimes he can just get steamrolled. And you, yep. we saw that a few times last year. Gordon, he's a big he's a big boy. He can get in there. He can block the unimpeded rusher every time. He's a pretty solid pass blocker. And considering how much isolation blocking you're going to see on the edges from the tackles, having a running back back there that you can trust, take on a blocker or help, is is super big for this offense to be able to run from the 11 personnel like Shermer wants to. So it's it's huge, and obviously they're going to have touches for both of them. Ride the hot hand. I mean, if you recall a couple of years, I guess it was 2014, you saw C.J. Anderson come in at the end of the year. Fresh legs looked like yep. one of the best running backs in football. So if you have the ability True. to go with that fresh legs later on in the season, I mean, you see it every year, every year in fantasy football. Some dude off the waiver wire comes in and for the last play or for the playoffs of the fantasy yep. football season, they carry that person to the championship. So that's kind of hopefully what you'll see this year in regards to what they can what they can do with either running back, uh, keep them a little bit more fresh and ride the hot hand and whoever is the healthiest. Man, that was quite a whirlwind. C.J. Anderson's uh, yeah. not his rookie year, his second year as a as a former college free agent. That final eight games, and I don't even think it was quite eight games. I don't have the game log in front of me, but I know he went over a thousand yards from scrimmage and double digit touchdowns. Now, of course, yeah. he didn't, end, and he earned a Pro Bowl nod as a result for basically half of a season's worth of a contribution. And of course, also he was one of the few dogs in that. Highly disappointing divisional loss to the Colts that year. Yeah. Remember, I mean, he was fighting tooth and nail. There was that fourth and three toss to the left that he got blown up in the backfield, but he broke the tackle, fought, and picked up the first down. He was one of the few guys in that game, for those of you listening who can think back, that was trying to really fight and win that game. And, of course, a couple years later, well, the very next season, the Broncos win the Super Bowl, and a couple years later, he finally gets his 1,000-yard rushing season, barely, just over thousand yards so cj anderson hat tip to him he has his own little place in in broncos history but gang we want to get to the main crux of tonight's podcast and and live stream thanks for joining us each and every one of you have been hanging out in the room toy mafia dave what's going on martino good to see you buona beast is in the house with us brian uh good to see you matthew ZX, if I didn't name you, don't think we don't love you. We appreciate all of you joining us here tonight, and especially with what's going on in the world right now. Very tumultuous in in the United States, in our country right now. And, oh, that's right, Johnny Baby. I'll botch saying your last name. Let me get to it. Let me me get – you you got his – there you go. Thank you. What a beast is the man pulling it up for Johnny Baby, whose birthday it is today. Showing some love with the super chat, even though he can't even he can't participate in the entire stream. Showing some love. Happy birthday from the Huddle Up podcast from Mile High Huddle. He says, "Sorry, I can't stay to watch, but going to dinner with the fam for my birthday. Have a great night, MHH fam. Stay safe, everyone." Hashtag state of being. Very cool. Really appreciate you, John and Nick. This is one of the uh, this is one of the true blues of this community that he. I, I would say lately, John, you have been in. You've probably been listening more after the fact uh, on demand, but you still jump in early in the stream, show a little support to the channel, and and we appreciate you. So happy birthday from us, my friend. Happy birthday. Hopefully we'll see you on Tuesday sometime in the future. Yep. Yep. Tuesday, you got building the Broncos tomorrow night. Carl will be back in the saddle, right? So good to go. Um, gang, real quick, before we dive completely into tonight's topics and any questions, any topics you want us to get to, as always, put them in the stream and we will try to get to them. 
Uh, but first, real quick, make sure you know how to connect with us on social media. Follow the main account, uh, the main podcast account at Huddle Up Pod. That is important because not only are we tweeting out everything Huddle Up, but we're tweeting out everything for all of the podcasts, including Building the Broncos, Dove Valley Deep Divers, and our new podcast, which features Nick here and is also Luke Patterson, Mile High Insider. So as long as you're following Mile uh, at Huddle Up Pod, you're not going to miss any of the podcast uh, information that we might be updating you with on a day-to-day. And then while you're at it, follow the main account at Mile High Huddle for breaking Broncos news and analysis in real time. And then, guys, if you're in a position, check out the merch store, huddleuppod.com. Get your swag on, if I can find the banner here. Get a hat. Get a Mile High Huddle State of Being jersey. Get a Building the Broncos hat. Whatever floats your fancy stuff for dudes, stuff for girls, the whole nine yards. There's a little something for everybody. So if you're in a position, check that out. And if you're not, it's all good. We're just happy to have you here with us. Three things you can do, easy things that you can do to support the channel, support what we're doing on a daily basis here, creating content for you. Subscribe, especially if you're on YouTube. Like and share this out. Those three things, simple, but can help us out quite a bit. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, Nick, I want to get to, in fact, Buana, I don't know if it's possible for you to bring up the next super. I don't want to, the chat stream to uh, to jump. We'll grab Josh and then we'll grab the main one here, the main topic of today's podcast. Josh Barrier jumping in. That's a name I don't recognize on Super Chat. So, Josh, thanks for the support, my friend. We really appreciate you. And it's good to have you. He says, keep up the great work, guys. Destroy that like button, Broncos country. Amen, my brother. Very cool. So, Nick, you have read the Thomas Hall article. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole of exactly all of the analytics and what they mean. You guys go read the article. I know Buona Beast shared the link in the chat stream. So when you get some time after this podcast, go check it out. But basically, uh, Thomas went through and he uses pro football reference quite a bit as kind of a focus for his his analytics and the content he produces for us and the stories he writes. And going through those – through pro football references – main kind of performance tool that measures performance. It's called performance value. 
he found five Broncos in which it kind of hints toward them having a big season in 2020. And I want to go through these just real quick. Get your thoughts on this, Nick, and then we'll see what's on everybody's mind in the chat stream. First and foremost, Thomas's references, uh, Thomas references, excuse me, Juwan James, of course, the right tackle. Let me just quote him real quick. This projections quote, this projection seems rather obvious. For some reason, James has a solid outing. This is something I know you've talked quite a bit about, Nick, every other season and his good play appears to occur on even years. There really is no reason for this to happen as far as the odd and the even, but it does provide a ray of hope that 2020 is going to be a good season for James. Not only that, but it will also be his second training camp to learn from the best in the business in Broncos O-line coach Mike Munchak, who can take his game to the next level. Also, James will have a very solid player next to him in Graham Glasgow. Lastly, in the seasons James is on, he averages three points above his average performance value based on analytics. So if that holds true in 2020, which is an even year, he will have an increase of seven points over last season in which he appeared in less than 100 snaps. That is the largest projected increase for any player on this list. So it will be a boon for the Broncos O-line and the protection of Drew Locke with the caveat, Nick, that Juwan James stays healthy. So your thoughts on Juwan James. I know it's something you've talked about before as far as the odd years and the even years, but what's your outlook for James going into 2020? Well, I've said it on here before, the best the Broncos offense looked the entire season last year and the best the offensive line looked as well was when Juwan James was playing. You know, you could shift a little bit more attention to the left side of the line, give Bulls a little bit of help. And James out there, I went back, granted, it wasn't a lot of snaps, but he looks like he belongs. I mean, he's so Mm -hmm. smooth. He's very long. He's actually younger than Gary Bulls. He has a birthday coming up in the next few days, I believe. Uh, They're the same age then, but he's he's like a week younger than Bulls. But crazy? uh, that is crazy. I mean, he came into the league extremely young where Bulls was 25 as a rookie. Right. But James, the biggest thing, the caveat is what you said at the end. Can he be healthy? And I'm looking ahead. I'm always looking ahead. Obviously, roster building is something that's fun to discuss. Armchair GM, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if he does have a great season this year, what do you do? Because then the next year will be the off again year and you can move on from him. Granted, you have a sizable amount of dead cap, but that's assuming this season goes well. So that's the best case scenario for 2020. If he does play, though, offensive line should be exponentially better. I mean, hats off to Elijah Wilkinson last year going in there. Obviously, a backup. You never want to rely on a backup. Uh, That means something went wrong. But and he. Did have his struggles, but uh, when Jawan James was there, it was night and day difference for that entire offensive line. So, again, if Jawan James could be healthy, obviously a regression candidate forward, a upward regression towards the mean of his career. Right. And, I mean, you've talked about it before. We've talked about it on the Huddle Up podcast quite a bit. But for all the flack that Jawan James has, has garnered due to his lack of availability last year and just kind of the bizarre – story that the Broncos pushed in terms of what was really going on with him. Then at the end of the season, we get that article from Nikki Javala of the athletic that calls into question how the Broncos handled it from the player's perspective, that it was kind of botched. And I don't want to necessarily go down that rabbit hole, but the bottom line is when he was on the field in week 14 on the road against the Houston Texans, that first half, he played that entire first half. That's when we saw this Broncos offense perform at its best. So that's, we want him on the field and hopefully the Broncos will get him on the field and, and it'll work out. Now, let me, uh, let me shift here to the next guy on Thomas's list and then we'll start working toward the chat stream as soon as we can. Von Miller. Here's what Thomas says, quote, by Miller's own standards, he had a down season last year. He was still a great player, but the Broncos need him to bounce back in a big way if they're going to make the playoffs. Thomas's bold prediction here it is. He will. 
Miller is aging and his performance trend is starting to trend closer to his average each year, but he has never had two seasons in a row that were below his mean performance value based on analytics. His mean, that means his average, is much better than most players in the NFL. So for him to be at his average, he's still an elite player. And there, he says a, f- a little bit more about Von Miller, but a bounce back season. Nick, are you seeing that on the horizon for the eight time Pro Bowler? Well, I think one would assume that he, I think Von Miller said it himself. I think it was an interview with uh, Pardon My Take, where he said he did not train as hard last offseason. Granted, you know, these are human beings. Sometimes, you know, if, if you've worked really hard, you might take a little bit of a, a offseason off or not work as hard. He is saying that he is working harder. Granted, that was before he came down with one of the first people, the right. NFL people, and that had, yep. could have long-term effects for him. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see how it turns out. But um, it definitely makes. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner sense that Vaughn would be a year again positive regression towards the mean of his career given that he's year two in this scheme and you're going to have Bradley Chubb back I think that's probably the biggest thing for him and also Jarrell Casey now I do want to say there's some trepidation because how uh, connected coverage is to pass rush and the Broncos secondary specifically the cornerbacks and some linebacker issues in coverage that means that maybe you're not going to see the statistical output as far as sacks go but all the other advanced stats for Von Miller said he was pretty good last year he just didn't get home and sacks aren't typically very predictive year to year I mean it was Demarcus Lawrence thing for the Cowboys last year really good edge rusher couldn't get home and that's just he was still getting great pressure rate just not finishing it off so I think Von Miller you'll definitely see him back in that 10 sack mark this season if Bradley Chubb is healthy, all things considered. Oh, and the offense being better too helps significantly. Undoubtedly. But there there was some there there in terms of it being a down season. I mean, Vaughn, as Thomas says in the article, was still a great player, and even his down years is still elite production. But it was the first time in terms of the advanced analytics, far be it from us to completely uh, venerate pro football focus. They have some great stats and some things that can be very helpful in evaluating what's happening on the field and deep diving. But their grading system – can really be arbitrary at times, but still, as one of PFF's darlings since the, the analytics site began, Von Miller, for the first time, he was not a top 10 player at his position since before. I mean, even the year 2013, when he 
started off with a, a suspension and then tore his ACL after a few games. So I think there's, there's a lot of reasons that contributed to a lot of factors that contributed to Vaughn's kind of down year, including gaining some weight, including, and not bad weight necessarily. I'm not saying he got chubby or anything, but just putting on weight probably asked to do that by the, the coaches. And it just didn't produce the best season for Vaughn. So here's to hoping that Thomas is right. And he turns the corner. All right. In uh, 2020. All right, Nick, let me just roll through these last three. And then this dark horse. So he's got Justin Simmons. He's got Bradley Chubb and Deshaun Hamilton. Now in Chubb's case, this would literally be a bounce back because he missed three quarters of the season with that torn ACL. And then Justin Simmons, um, I want to just read this to you real quick quote. Simmons is not a candidate for a bounce back season, but he is on this list because his trend in performance value has increased rapidly over his four seasons. Simmons has increased at an average of three points each season with last season being his biggest jump. So this trend should continue and vault him into truly elite status. Simmons is a key cog in the Fangio defensive machine and the payday coming to him at some point this summer will be, he will more than justify. And then Deshaun Hamilton is kind of a surprise, Nick. So those three, and then we'll talk about the dark horse in whatever order your thoughts on Deshaun Hamilton, especially knowing that KJ Hamler is being injected into this equation as, you know, assuming that he is going to play a lot of ball because he's a second round pick. Well, I actually joined Benjamin Albright and Ryan Edwards on KOA a couple of weeks ago, talking about some potential like deep dark horses for the Denver Broncos this year. And the, the one that came to mind for me was Deshaun Hamilton. Again, it's the state of the world right now. You're not having these rookies typical workout with Drew Locke, like you would see normally and wide receivers. Normally you, you see him take a year or two. So Deshaun Hamilton's already been here. You know that he fits this offense. You're going to see more three wide receiver sets. So there's a little bit more piece of the pie in terms of snaps to go around this upcoming season, theoretically. And again, KJ Hamler, while I do think, you know, 2021 and beyond, I'm really excited for him. But as far as 2020 goes, I wouldn't sleep on Deshaun Hamilton just yet. Now, I don't think he is a super dynamic receiver by any means. He's more of a catch and fall down kind of wide receiver, which those guys are, you know, the West Walkers of the world, they have their fits, but honestly, their values plummeting by the season. It really, yeah. really is. You need to be have explosive playmakers everywhere. So I do think, though, given the chemistry we saw last year, given that it's year two, given the 11 personnel with Shermer, Deshaun Hamilton does make a lot of sense. And again, I'm, I don't want to be the uh, glass half empty kind of guy, but with rookies, you know, it's everyone's excited, but tough bricks. You never know until you see it on the field. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. You do help keep me in check, speaking for myself in terms of getting two out over my skis, excited about specific rookies, especially premium round rookies and whatnot. So that applies to KJ Hamler. That applies to Jerry Judy. Let's see it out on the field before we crown him as, you know, the next this or the next that. But Deshaun Hamilton is – what's that? Sample size. Yes. Scientist in me. Let's get a bigger sample size there. Let's see a little bit. Let's let's see him out on the grass. But Deshaun Hamilton is a guy that – Zach, you know, he hasn't been – and by the way, Zach is is recovering from a little bit of a – cold he'll be back in the saddle Wednesday night so we wish him well and hope he recovers quickly but he hasn't he's he's really been high on KJ Hamler and very down on Deshaun Hamilton not to put words in his mouth whereas I've been a little bit more optimistic about not sleeping completely on Deshaun and a lot of that too has to do with how he performed down the stretch and the way he connected with Drew Locke once Locke was inserted as a starter from week 13 on so it will be fun to see how that shakes out Justin Simmons, I mean, I don't think we really need to spend too much time talking about him on this pod. Everyone knows he's an all-pro. He is one of the best young safeties in the league. 
but I want to get your thoughts and your outlook real quick. And then we'll, we'll grab Stuart McPeak, Zeus McPeak, super chat on Bradley Chubb, your outlook for, for Chubb in 2020. So Simmons real quick. I think that Simmons is a phenomenal player. He was one of my favorite picks that John always made in his career. I mean, when he made that pick, I was head over heels. That was probably my favorite pick early on in that 2016 draft. Uh, so Simmons, it's great to see him. Also, he's in a scheme that fits him perfectly with how much intelligence they demand from him. He's long. He is decently athletic. He's not a guy where in the Wade Phillips scheme slash Joe Woods, it was much more cover one, cover three. You'd see the single high safety and a, that strong safety dropping down. Justin Simmons has okay range, but not a single high safety Earl Thomas type, you know, where he covers right. sideline to sideline. And then you also, you didn't see the, the cam chancellor coming down in the box from Justin Simmons. When you saw that there'd be some issues. So it's much more, Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons play the same position. It's just with that match quarter. So there's going to be rotation going on and differences based on what the, what they're asked to do and what the offense is doing. So perfect defense for him, arguably the Broncos most valuable player they have on their roster right now. If you're talking long-term perspective, just because how good he is and a perfect fit for this defense. That being said, he was phenomenal last year. How much better can he get? He's in his prime right now. That's one just based on because he's not a bounce back. How much better can he get? He's he's already right. incredible. He's already an all pro. So that's that's the one I have a little bit of a question about just because the definition of uh, sure which one's going to bust out. Yeah, Bradley Chubb though so much yes. is is riding on him because even though you've got Jerry Attachu resigned, you got Malik Reed going into year two. I'm still waiting for Justin Hollins to do anything that impresses me. That's just me. Fifth round and pick. then, of course, you got McTelvin Ajim coming in and Derek Tuska, the seventh-round pick. Now, Ajim is obviously a down lineman, but still, some, some pass rush help has been added, kind of a turning the bottom of that depth chart. It all is contingent, though, on Chubb's availability because if Chubb is back to be in 2018, Bradley Chubb, you can get by with a rookie seventh rounder and Tuska as one of the depth guys and Jerry Attachu and Malik Reed and Hollins. So your thoughts on, on Chubb. This is a big season for Chubb. Obviously he's coming off. I believe it's the second ACL injury on the yes. same ACL, which is concerning. One of them was in high school. So it's a little bit down the line, but still he's coming up with this. This is going to be year three for him. So three, technically two, three years left on that contract as far as the fifth-year option goes. Yep. And you, are you're talking about life also, potentially. We talked about Von Miller earlier, life after Von Miller. So mm. Bradley Chubb needs to have a good year this year. Again, sacks are great, but they're not exactly indicative of how good a pass rusher is playing. It takes a defense from an entirety to get a sack. So I'm more interested in the pressure rate, the hurries, et cetera. Will he get 12 sacks this year? A lot of them came in clumps. I remember it was his rookie year. He didn't have sacks for a while. Then all of a sudden, boom, he dominated. I think it was the the Rams game. He had like three sacks in that game, just just dominated Andrew Whitworth. So Chubb is fifth overall pick. We should have high expectations for him. I wouldn't put him in the same light as Miles Garrett or Nick Bosa, but as far as a Joey Bosa goes, a a guy who's good enough to be a number one edge rusher on a team, I'd expect that this year from him. And again, we – Broncos defense took a little bit to get going last year. You saw them shift up that front five. Shelby Harris over to defensive end, put in Purcell, kick out Josie Jewell and uh, Corey Nelson, put in Alexander Johnson and Todd Davis. Defense was night and day. Now imagine how good they would have been with freaking Bradley Chubb. So I I do expect a great season from him. He's going to be a really good player in this defense. All pro, I'm not ready to say that, but multi-year pro bowler, that should be the expectation. It's going to be fun to see how it shakes out. we got to tip our cap to Zeus McPeak jumping in with a super chat. Every time he's in the stream, he's showing love on super, and 
He is Zeus McPeak for a reason. He has etched himself out the number one spot up there on Mile High Huddle's Mount Rushmore. And this is just a small example of why. So consistent, so outgoing in his support and passion for the Broncos. And we just appreciate you, Stu. So, so thank you. Um, you called him Zeus? Zeus McPeak. That's right. I see he's got the Seattle uh, profile pick there. So he must be over in Olympic National Park, Park on Mount Olympus. <laughs> Zeus. Well done. Well done, my friend. All right, let me see what else we've got here in the stream, and then we'll. I don't. I don't want to neglect the awesome uh, listeners because again, this is a. These are podcasts that <clears throat> we don't just talk at you; we talk with you. That we had a cool tweet. I can't remember from who from who it was. One of our great listeners that said, "One thing I really love about Mile High Huddle's podcast is that you talk with us. You don't talk at us. So people are involved in the conversation, and there's a reason and a rhyme for that. There's a method to our madness. It it makes us enjoy these pod- as much as I love." turning on the, the old internet machine and talking to Nick on a daily basis. I love it. Talking football, talking to you guys has made our enjoyment of these podcasts all that much more. So Chris, speaking of super chat, superstars jumping in with a very generous super. We really appreciate you, Chris, my friend. Appreciate that. He says, cheers, my MHH fam hashtag click those little thumbs up. Very cool, Chris. And it's good to see you, bro. All right. Let me see what else we've got here in the chat stream. We got a little catching up to do, some good conversations taken off while you and I have been talking this uh, article of Thomas's. Derek Green jumping in, $2 super. Good to see you, Derek. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, say, give a hello to your wife from us as well. I know she listens. He says, great to see you guys. Keep up the pods. Denver Broncos for life. Hey, man, we're just up in the ante when it comes to the pods. You know this. We're adding podcasts to our programming. So, Christy, the queen of MHH, showing love. <clears throat> really appreciate you. Christy, and it's good to see you as always in the stream. And for those of you who missed it, the last few pods, we've been letting everybody know. But once we cross over 7,000 subs, which will happen this week, we're going to have Christy on our celebration pod of Crossing Seven. And uh, you guys can get a chance to talk to Christy in the flesh, so to speak. So that'll be fun. And Christy, thank you. Um, all right, let me uh, just did a jump on it. So bear with me one sec, you guys. And while you're looking, I did see some conversation here. Just some draft talk because that's kind of my mm-hmm. MO. But Clemson's uh, Justin Ross, really good wide receiver, would have been eligible for the draft this season. He actually had surgery today and is going to be out for the year. And apparently it is severe enough where there are questions about his ability to ever play football again. So that's, a, uh, that's really tragic. Obviously, Clemson's one of the powerhouses right now, and that would really impact uh, Trevor Lawrence and Clemson's yep. ability to get back to the national championship this year. So maybe the Broncos lucky to get back-to-back wide receivers early this year, but to Justin Ross, probably not in next year's draft cycle. So. You never want to see one of the one of co- the college game's greatest players go down like that and have any kind of doubt or implications on their long-term career. So prayers up for him and we hope he is able to recover well because he is a phenomenal talent. Manny Wise jumping in with the $10 super. Appreciate that Manny and I know Manny listened in on Mile High Insiders on Saturday had some some kind words. So it's good to see you in the chat stream my brother. Appreciate you. Um and while you're looking also another injury being talked about right now, Henry Ruggs for the Raiders. Apparently he was helping his friend move and he got hand between a truck and a trailer uh just missing a Major ephemeral. artery, the femoral right. artery. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And uh, apparently, it's not super. The Raiders aren't super worried about it, but uh, yeah, freak injury. So wide receiver injuries going on right now. Hopefully, the Broncos. Gosh, stay away from that bug, please. <laughs> Undoubtedly, let's grab Jason here on YouTube. He says, "Analytics aside, at what point does pride in your craft take over? 
As a player in the NFL, mediocrity can't be your goal. You have to want to perform at the level the team believes you can achieve. Fair point. I don't know exactly who you're talking to, speaking to or speaking about in that. Maybe you're speaking to Juwan James. Maybe you're speaking to Deshaun, but it's a fair point, Nick. Yeah. I think the biggest thing, I mean, you see players sometimes that have great work ethics that don't really, you know, have that athletic skill to get over that hump. Josie Jewell comes to mind, you know, you can be slow, you can be small, but if you're slow and small, like you're going to have some issues. And then you see guys who have talent, but you know, you got questions about the work ethic. How much do they want to be there? Sue Cravens immediately comes to mind. So there's obviously all walks of life in an NFL locker room, guys with a lot of talent that don't work hard. Some that have don't have as much talent. Granted, they're all talented if they play in the NFL, but that uh, work extremely hard and maximize it. So it just comes down to the individual. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. A very generous super chat from one of our bona fide superstars, Pobby, jumping in. And I know she, I don't know exactly where in your fair Wayne. state. That's right. That's right. But uh, a fellow Iowan, she says, prayers out to Broncos country. Stay safe. Get well soon. Zach, love MHH family. Go Broncos. And I'm sure Zach will appreciate when he hears this uh, after the fact. He might be watching live now. I don't know. Or he might be drink, you know, eating some chicken noodle soup and trying to get well. But Bobby, very generous and very symbolic as well. The number 44 for Floyd Little, who was recently diagnosed with cancer and uh, – so thank you so much. But man, Floyd Little, we talked a little bit about him on yesterday's podcast, just scratched the surface. But if not for Floyd Little, you wonder if the Denver Broncos would still be in Denver. I mean, he's literally called the franchise. So thinking about him was not, unfortunately, too young to remember the Floyd Little era. 
But uh, obviously, yeah, one of the guys, if you put up anybody in a Broncos Mount Rushmore, Floyd Little's got to be in the discussion. <laughs> yeah, really I mean, I was, I was, I'm 40, and I wasn't alive when he was playing. But still, I know my my Broncos history, and I know how crucial he was and is to this franchise. So prayers up for him. And Bobby, thank you again for your support, my friend. That means a lot to both of us, to all of us. All right, let me see what else we've got here. Um, here's a question from. Jay on, on YouTube, Nick, he wants to know, did Jerry Judy have problems tracking the football in college? Now, this is a player I know. I mean, Nick is one of those, when I say a draft expert, that's not just something I say. This guy spends a ridiculous amount of time, not just watching film and breaking down film on college prospects, but reading the scouting reports, talking amongst all the draft Nicks, scouting community, the whole nine yards. What's your answer on Jerry Judy having any ball tracking problems at, at Alabama? I never really saw much ball tracking issues as far as Jerry Judy. Honestly, Henry Ruggs, despite being a speedster, had the same average depth of target as Jerry Judy. And also Judy is playing the slot. So that doesn't really make sense in terms of where these guys are lining up. So I don't think that's really a question for Judy. My biggest question for Judy is his ability to snag the ball in traffic. You know, because he's such a good route runner, granted, maybe that's not going to be an issue for him because he gets so much separation. But in you didn't really see much where he had to be physical at the catch point in traffic, having to come down with those balls. So I guess if you're talking about physically uh, separating from press coverage, specifically on the boundary, and then tracking beyond that, that could be a question. Excuse me, hit my mic there. Uh, that could be a question beyond the... Uh, the, the ball tracking, but that's that's not really something that comes to mind immediately for me. It's more the physicality of his game, but if that's even going to be an issue because he separates so well, it's yet to be seen. Yep, indeed. Let's grab Duke, who was uh, giving Nick a, a cheers here. Really appreciate the super, Duke. Very generous of you. Hashtag Nick's Beer Fund. That may or may not be a beer in Nick's mug there. Can't confirm 100%. I'll let you guys use your This is water. This giant one is water. I can confirm <laughs> that one. <laughs> All right. While we uh, let the chat stream settle, I know there's a few other supers in there. We'll, we'll get to you, Mike. I promise. Just give us a second here. I want to touch on the last guy here. The, in fact, it might be the most interesting guy thrown out from uh, Thomas Hall's article, his dark horse, and that is third-year corner Isaac Yadam. Now, let me just read this to you real quick, Nick, and I want to get your thoughts on his outlook in your mind. Quote, it is no secret that Yadam has had his struggles in his first two seasons in the NFL. However, he is on an upward trend. In 2019, his performance value increased three points over his rookie campaign. He's also going to be entering the age where defensive backs are most likely to have their peak seasons. Defensive backs typically have their peak season between age 25 and 27, and Yadam is currently 24. Furthermore, he was also on an upward trend similar to Hamilton in 2019. Yadam struggled early in the season, but by the last five games, he was getting more playing time and responded with four passes defensed in a backup role. To put that into perspective, that was more than Chris Harris Jr. had over that same time span, close quote. Nick, Isaac Yadam is one of those Broncos that just, look, he's, he's disappointed a lot of people, but I think he also at the same time gets a lot of unnecessary flack from some in Broncos country. And, you know, I've probably said some things that may have contributed to that over the, the last couple of years. I don't know. But I think there's a little bit more there there than fans might realize at this stage just because, you know, he's 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 kind of underperformed in terms of the expectations as a third-round pick. And when he's been on the field, though, getting away from being, you know, if he can get away from the grabbiness, he's got a lot of athletic ability that if the, if the coaches can reach him, 
you'd love, I could see him becoming a very potent cornerback on the boundary for this team. But do you ever, do you really see that happening? Can he put it all together? Well, is he ever going to be a lockdown boundary man corner? Probably not. I just don't see the hips. I don't see the recovery ability. He's a little bit stiff, but what Yadam does have going for him is he has got decent size and length. He is intelligent and he tackles. Mm-hmm. So that to me means that yes, there are going to be times where he's going to get beat, especially if he's isolated and the teams are going to go at him. And granted last year, that's Chris Harris was the number one. You're going to try to target the number two when you can. It's not like you had CHJ Roby and uh, Tlaib, like the Broncos heyday, as far as the quarterbacks go. Right. But for Yadam, I'm very curious to see what his role is going to be this year. Those three things we talked about, the size, the intelligence and the length, all that makes me point towards the towards the potential that maybe Yadam is not going to be that boundary cornerback that you're used to seeing. Maybe he's going to be that kind of versatile guy that takes over the Will Parks role as that six defensive back, maybe a little bit more safety usage, maybe a little bit more nickel usage when you have those six defensive back looks. So obviously there's been some disappointment with Yadam, third round pick, been better than Brendan Langley as a third round pick. We're not talking about raising a high bar there, but right. uh, that Yadam, because he can tackle, because he's intelligent, yeah, at worst you have a guy who can come in and play special teams, and you need those guys. But I, I would not bury him just yet. I think there's there's a role for him, and with how much versatility, how much Fangio asks all the defensive backs to do, how much bleed over there is from especially the safeties, uh, I think there's still a potential for Yadam to be a big contributor to this defense. Now, is he going to be a pro bowler? No, but I think he could have some, some I mean, again, a Will Parks-level uh, role on this defense. Eventually, if it clicks for him, I could see him being a force. Like you say, is he going to be the next to keep Tlaib at six foot one on boundary, locking down dudes? Probably not. But it's really interesting that you talk about him as perhaps factoring in more in at the safety position, you know, some yeah. form in the nickel and the safety. And that's something that has been spitballed on this podcast. I know it's something that Zach has, has kind of seen or sees, I should say, unfolding, but it will be interesting to see. And I think. Thomas could be onto something just because I think the coaching that you get from Vic Fangio and Ed Donatello, eventually it's, you're going to see it pay dividends with some of these young guys who have the potential in spades, but just haven't quite been able to put it together between the years. I think it's going to click for him eventually. And I hope it is this year, but he's, he's got this year and next year to figure it all out. But then again, there's a lot of young hungry corners on this depth chart looking for a seat at the table. So he might not have two years to figure it out. Um, Shotgun approach at quarterback or at cornerback this year. So fingers crossed to emerge. <laughs> Let's grab Mike here jumping in. Mike D or Mike. I don't know how Mike D Mike. I'll just call you Mike. $10 super bad breath onion rings. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Appreciate you, Mike. He says, since we're so deep at skill positions all over the offense, do you think we could see the Broncos running down the field and rotating in fresh players to wear down the defense, especially at home? So, a lot of uh, young talent at the skill positions. On paper, you can say the Broncos have a an embarrassment of riches now at the skill positions, but so much of it is still relatively unproven at the NFL level. Outside of Cortland Sutton and what one very encouraging and productive year from Noah Fant, not quite completely polished. You, you could tell watching Fant as a rookie, and obviously he was a rookie, that he was still very much a work in progress which only makes you that much more excited to see what he could become when it all clicks for him. But still, outside of those two guys, Jerry Judy, you know, you, he's, he, his floor is, is so high that it's probably a relatively safe bet that if Drew Locke is the point guard and the distributor of the ball type quarterback, gets it to everybody, spreads it out, Judy's probably going to have a pretty productive rookie season. But what's your answer here for Mike about rotating 
skill guys in to, to wear down the D. I think that's important, and it's an option that you can do also if you have an injury. Like, let's say the Broncos before this draft and uh, Sutton gets injured and is out for four to six weeks. Knock on wood, everyone, but the offense is tanked. I mean, let's call it as it is. They're screwed. So now if you have an injury, you're not, you know, completely screwed. So that's something that's good, but I don't think you're going to see a massive rotation all the time because, you know, you again, like you said, a bunch of unproven guys, and you want to get the best guys out there still. You want to get your playmakers out there. So cream should rise to the crop. They can rotate. They can rotate the the, the skill positions, especially running back. Uh, but I don't think you're going to see it at such an ex, such a rate that it's you know shocking or anything. Right. Amen to that. And this is one of the coolest things that I love to see in the chat stream is people who are longtime listeners. We have about ten thousand subscribers on the RSS feed, and what that means for those of you who don't understand it. RSS feed is where after we live stream these and we put an intro on in the beginning and an outro at the end. We upload it to the podcast so people can listen on Apple and they can listen on iHeart and they can listen on Spreaker and Stitcher and CastBox and all the podcast listening platforms. We have about 10,000, a little more than 10,000 people that are listening on demand through those mediums. And we see things like this, guys who are fans that are listening after the fact on demand. They want to get in on the live aspect of it, the conversation. And when they do so, it's with gusto. They jump in, super chat, Broncos for life. Scani, I hope I pronounced it correctly, with a $7 super like this. He says, love the MHH crew. First time live. I like to listen to your content for work the next day. So he saves it. I, Yeah, he saves it for uh, the next day. And I'll just say, Scani, it's good to have you in the stream and participating in the, in the live chat. If you've got any questions or any Broncos topics, throw them in there, dude. That's what these live streams are all about. Yep. And also very cute uh, golden retriever puppy in your profile pic. Indeed. So, all about that. Bobby jumping back in to show some love for Johnny Baby, whose birthday it is today. He'll be listening to this after the fact because he popped in, popped out, but he'll be listening after it on demand. She says, happy birthday, Jonathan. We are blessed to have you in the MHH family. Well said, Bobby, and Nick and I both agree wholeheartedly. And Jeff, it's good to see you as well, my friend. Appreciate you popping in. Awesome. All right, let me see here. Where are we at? We're at 42 minutes. We got some time. Uh, Duke jumping back in to uh, showing some love on Super. He says, is Boss Fangio's defense really cracked up to be what it is? I can't wrap my head around what Vic does defense-wise. So, Nick, if you were to – this would be fun. This is a fun topic. Without going too far down the rabbit hole, if you were to sum up, put it this way, I think most Broncos fans are pretty well educated and knowledgeable on what Wade Phillips' defense was. How would you categorize the difference between Wade and Fangio's scheme on all levels, from pass rush to run fits to back-end coverage, et cetera? I would say that it's much more coverage-based than pass rush-based. You're going to see a much more versatility and demands from the entire back seven. So you need to have some coverage ability from not just the cornerbacks, which was much more reliant for the Wade Phillips defense, but safeties especially. They have to wear so many hats and the linebackers. And rather than sending a lot of blitzers, Vic Fangio is kind of a little bit more of a methodical in regards to the pass rush. Granted, you know, Alexander Johnson not leaving him in space last year is probably a good decision. If he's on the field in a pass down, send him in a blitz is probably more effective than putting him in on an island against a tight end or a running back, so to speak. So he does a good job of putting guys in the best spot, but really it's just that he did put so much on the, the quarterback's plate as far as what they have to read. There's a lot of match quarters going on. So the opposite sides of the field, it's, 
it's complicated. There's a whole book on it actually that I have, I have ordered here, but um, the uh, what's the name of the book? It's a, it's a match quarters defense. Okay. I, so oh. it's a, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's very, very complicated. And gosh, there are people better than me that could go into long about this than I am. I'm more of a okay. no, talent evaluator than, but again, it's, it puts the most on the quarterback and Kyle Shanahan, I think it was said that the Vic Fangio defense is the hardest he goes against. And also Vic Fangio puts so much on the, the defense from a mental side of football. Now, right. Wade Phillips, that's something that he let those guys go out there and play, not much thinking, uh, you know, just go attack, here's your role. Vic Fangio is much more, he'll switch up the defense one week to another based on the opponent, much more of Bill, Bel- Bill Belichick style. So yes. guys have to play their role. And the be- one of the best things, it's so simple, these complicated defense, but one of my favorite things in the Vic Fangio defense that we saw last year, the Broncos gave up yards in chunks. But once it got into the red zone, things really compressed. Yeah. So if you're not giving up chunk yardage plays, if you're making a march it down the field and then they run out of steam in the red zone and get a three, that's a win. That's a win in today's NFL. So that's something that, I mean, that's a big reason he keeps hyping Michael Ojemudia, Broncos third round pick, you know, got some work to do, but he, he does not get beat over the top. He just doesn't. So that's something that I really like about this defense, not giving up the big play and making them earn every single you know point they get by really just getting I guess, lethal in the red zone. Two things that jump out to me, and it's a good reminder for fans, is you often saw Vic Fangio talk about this after the fact, like when he'd be up at the podium, the Broncos would get home on a blitz or something, or maybe they'd have a productive game in the blitz department, and he'd say, hey, you guys didn't think I liked a blitz, right, or that I had that in me. He doesn't traditionally like to blitz. He likes to get home with the down linemen and the edge guys, you know, four rushers, because, as Nick said, it's more of a coverage focus. He likes to put his numbers or his his strength in coverage and hope that guys can win. You know, one guy can slip through a lot of stunts, a lot of twists and whatnot. The other thing that jumps out, Nick, to what you said is because it puts so much of a mental demand on players, it does take a little bit more time for everything to click overall. So if you look at his last two stops, Fangio from uh, San Fran, in San Fran he was able to hit the ground running quite a bit quicker because so many of the personnel pieces were already in place. But – Let's just say in Chicago, for example, when he arrived with Fox, John Fox in 2015, the covers were personnel wise pretty dat gum bare and uh, no pun intended there. He had to bite his time, do his thing, bite his time, put the pieces in place. It took a good three years before it really started becoming potent. And then, you know, you get uh, you get who was it? Well, of course, Khalil Mack, but there was one uh, Roquan in 2018 and then everything just clicks. So that's why it takes a little time. And as Nick already talked about in a previous segment on today's podcast, there was a reason why the Broncos got out to a slow start defensively last year. No takeaways, no sacks until week four. A lot of that has to do with how demanding that scheme is. And also the big thing of reason makes quarterbacks so, I guess, difficult for them is there's a lot of split field coverage. So what's going on on one side of the field is not exactly what's going on on the other side of the field. So a quarterback will read man coverage on one side and think, oh, man coverage, I should have player x open on the other side turn guess what it's zone and he'll throw it right to the defenders defenders hand so really quarterbacks they put so much on their plates and they have to be able to analyze not just quickly but throughout the entire play absolutely true and duke thanks for a really good question there my friend good stuff and the book i was talking about is from uh, cody alexander so if you want to look at it's match quarters a modern guidebook to split field coverages and vic fangio is one of the I mean, we talk about him as the the kingpin here or the mob boss, but for the match quarters defense, Vic Fangio is one of the the renaissance men for that. If you want to be a real football nerd like the Mile High Huddle dudes, 
you got to you got to brush up on your football reading, and that's that one is going to be. I can just tell you right now, that one's going to be a little more dense and academic in terms of X's and O's. But start with something like this. Start with something like you want to learn how starting point. Very consumable book for anybody. A lot of stuff out there for people who want to learn more about the game, learn more about football. But let's grab David here, who uh, is one of our super chat superstars. So consistent. And we appreciate you, David. And it was fun to shout you out on Twitter. Also on Instagram, my friend. I don't know if you're on Instagram, but if so, reach out to me privately. Let me know what your, your handle is. Wanted to thank you for the love on Twitter today. He says, when do you see the Broncos making any roster changes via trade or free agency? So, Nick, all the big moving and shaking aspects of the offseason are in the books, the draft, the free agency. It's all, it's all done. There are a few places roster-wise that kind of remain a little topsy-turvy I could say offensive tackles concerning. I could say cornerback depth in terms of proven dudes is a little bit concerning. A lot of fans think that the immediate solution is just go sign somebody, especially when you've got a perennial all-pro like Jason Peters sitting out there at left tackle and whatnot. Our message on the Huddle Up podcast has basically been as much as you might want to see some of these moves get made at this stage, the Broncos are in a holding pattern until training camp at the soon. It's more likely until the doorstep of the regular season in terms of they got to see what the all these moves and additions they've made. They got to see how that comes out in the wash before they make any additional moves in terms of the way they're thinking. So, what's your answer though here for David in terms of potentially any additional roster moves? I mean, there's always a possibility that something could happen. You know, the Broncos could have a deal on the table with player X and their agent told them to stand by and the player decides, you know what, I'm tired of waiting. I'm just going to sign that contract and go with what the team originally offered. So that's always a possibility. But really, I mean, you said it right. It's not just the Broncos on a holding pattern. It's the entire NFL. Right now they have a lot of guys that they like. They want to see what these guys that they brought in are going to do. So, you know, training camp, preseason, after probably, I guess, week or three of preseason, if you want to call it that, you'll see some moves there in regards. And that's, I think that's when the Broncos brought in Duke Dawson last year. Uh, So that's when you kind of see those moves can potentially happen. And that's just because there's going to be more talent available to pick from too. I mean, rosters are going to be cut from what is it? 90 right now down to 53 of them are not including the practice squad, but that's uh, there's going to be more options available then. And also some market fluctuation. And it's not just, you know, bringing in some guys, potentially you could see the Broncos move on from somebody. I mean, maybe Royce Freeman, not they like one of these younger guys they brought in, Royce Freeman off to the Eagles for a six-round pick. I mean, that's just the nature of the game. So probably a wait and see, not just the Broncos, but the entire NFL. Indeed. Let's grab Terry here up in Canada, proving that, as always, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is a state of being. He says, release the monster. Cheers, Broncos country. Hashtag state of being. Hashtag Nick's beer fund. Hashtag Broncos world. And we all know what the emojis mean. We love you, Terry. Appreciate you, brother. Michaela jumping in as well with a super chat. Really appreciate that, my friend. One of our superstars. She says, hello from the technical world. Lots of love. Right back at you, sister. Appreciate you. Good to have you in the chat. Um, All right, let me see. Mike Evans jumping in, one of our superstars. So consistent, supporting the channel, supporting the shows. We appreciate you, Mike. He says, I don't have anything of value to add tonight. Just want to show or just want you to know we appreciate y'all. Very meaningful to us. And, you know, you get into the dog days, Nick, of of the offseason, like where we're at. Even if you didn't have all these tumultuous things going on, like the word that shall go unnamed and then what's going on right now, you get into early June. This is really – or we're approaching here. You, traditionally, it's about halfway through June is when the phase three of OTAs ends. And then you get six long weeks of just nothing until training camp. 
But we're kind of dealing with that all through May and now into June where we're, it's not so much that we have to get creative in terms of coming up with things to talk about on the podcast, but there's not a lot of immediate news happening, breaking that we can break down on a day-to-day basis. So we do have to kind of pick and choose what our, our topics are going to be. But if you're really a passionate fan of the game and you're really a passionate fan of football, Nick, there's always something to talk about. I mean, just follow me on Twitter and I will find something to talk about. I mean, or go to the Mile High Huddle uh, community page. We're posting yes. stuff on there every single day. I mean, there's a couple of videos today. I think I posted also some interesting information just last week on EPA added in the run game and just how little value the run game is actually bringing today from an analytics perspective. Uh, so just there's interesting stuff to talk about. Undoubtedly. There was a question here that was a good one that I just almost skipped from Oscar real quick here. We're at 52 minutes. We got a little bit of time. He says, if a left tackle is needed next year, would you rather sign one of the available vets or spend a high draft pick? Nick, what would be your answer coming out of assuming this actually is an issue for the team next spring? That probably means Garrett Bowles did not take that step. So what would your answer be? Honestly, it probably needs to be both. You probably need a little bit of both. Now, it depends on how much you're paying. If you're paying a big, huge contract to a tackle, you can probably get away with drafting a tackle in the second or third round if you're taking kind of a mid-tier tackle. Maybe go in the first round. But if you're talking about the Broncos next year, hopefully picking uh, pick 15 to 25, that offensive tackle might not be ready right away. So it's probably a little bit of both is where the truth lies. Let's grab Derek jumping back in. Very generous. We appreciate you, my friend. He says, my wife says it's sweet that you asked about her. So you're her favorite now over Zach, LOL, hashtag happy wife, happy life. Well, Zach, I know you're listening to this at some point. Eat your heart out, my friend. I have won over Derek's wife. It is what it is. All right. Okay, let me see. And that's very kind. Tell her we appreciate her. Um, Edward wants to know, hey, saw Jason Peters predicted to go to the Broncos. Indeed, Edward. That was kind of old news, and I don't say that to belittle your point. That was something that was connected. I'm trying to think, Nick, who was it that connected that dot? NFL.com. Might have been Peter King. Might have been SI, actually. I think it was Albert Breer now that I think I think it was Albert Breer. Breer. Yeah, he was talking about the Chargers and the Broncos being the best landing spots for Jason Peters. It does sound like Peters is going to go back to the Eagles, though. That's been the rumor. Granted, again, he's another guy with that holding pattern right now. We're waiting to see. So there's some there's a little bit of discontent in regards to the Eagles and their first round pick from 2019 and Andre Dillard. It's kind of the uh, not the Garrett Bowles issue, but the uh, Paxton Lynch kind of toughness questions. So mm. we'll see. We'll, worth monitoring just as far as an NFL perspective. Also, one of the reasons he's getting connected is not just because of the 10,000 foot evident, obvious question marks at tackle for the Broncos, but also Jason Peters goes back a little bit with Pat Shermer. So mm-hmm. something to keep an eye on. We'll see. But he, I think he ultimately ends up back in Philly. Uh, that'd be my prediction. Miller, 707 champ, jumping in. If Vaughn has a monster year, how much would his new contract be? And how long is he resigned? So if I'm not mistaken, I don't have it in front of me, Nick. I'm pretty sure Vaughn is signed through 2021. I'm looking it up right now, so. (laughs) Okay, so while you're looking that up, let me just do a little exposition. So Vaughn Miller, he's making what used to be franchise quarterback money. When I say what used to be, when Peyton Manning was still uh, rocking the NFL the 20 point was 20 million is kind of the starting point for franchise caliber. Um, That has now ballooned well into the thirties, right? So Vaughn's not technically making franchise QB money anymore, but he's still in the, as far as his cap number, low twenties. If he does have a monster year, let's say he comes out even a 
2018 caliber Vaughn year where he's got 14 and a half sacks. He's wrecking shop. He's back to being the kind of guy where he's affecting the game in key moments. That was my biggest complaint about Vaughn last year, Nick, for what it's worth. Just a quick aside is, as you say, so much more goes into how a pass rusher affects the game than just does he get home and get the sack. But my biggest thing with Vaughn is the way he built his career wasn't just with sacks, but making big plays in key moments of the game. And he really struggled to do that last year. So if he has a flipping the script back to the old Vaughn, the Vaughn we're all accustomed to in 2020, what would your answer here be for champ? Well, right now, Vaughn's base salary for the next two seasons is 17.5, but the cap hit comes about because of the bonus being uh, prorated 25.625 this year. That's a million, obviously, and 22.225 in 2021. His contract does end after that. Big hits, I think, probably if Vaughn does have a great year next year, he's going to be, gosh, what's his age? He's 31, so he'll be 33 after his this contract ends. Yep. I think, honestly, if I am – Elway or whoever's making these decisions, Matt Russell. I, if Vaughn has a good year this year, I'm approaching him this offseason, seeing if I can kick some of that contract off in making it somewhat somewhat of an extension, uh, adding a couple more years to Vaughn Miller. But, I mean, we'll see what he wants to make. And the Broncos have not been great these past few years. Obviously, Vaughn, after that Chiefs game, he was pretty disheartened. So it'll be interesting. You definitely need to prepare for life after Vaughn Miller. I mean, if Tom Brady can go from – uh, New England Patriots to Tampa Bay, then Von Miller could go from the Broncos to the Cowboys. I mean, I know you hate to hear that, but that's the potential in the business of the NFL. So I do want to, uh, I guess, start to appreciate that that could happen. But I think the way to go, maybe you're seeing him get it paid more of the 16 to $18 million a year when we're talking about him being 33 through 35 years old. And hopefully they can do that. If he has a good year this year, I'd approach him th- this next offseason with a contract restructure that actually becomes an extension. I don't disagree at all. Something's going to have to be done. And I think Vaughn, you know, the older he gets, he's going to start slowing down. Father time is undefeated. You hope that it doesn't end in the same or, or trend in the same way that DeMarcus Ware's time with his original team in Dallas ended, in which he just became, based on his inability to stay healthy and his relative impact compared to where they were sitting against the cap and his his salary, they ended up moving on from him. I think the Broncos, though, they're, a, for whatever reason, and most of the time it's good, but sometimes it's bad. They're a lot more cognizant of, you know, franchise implications, organizational implications. Vaughn, I don't think Elway wants to see Vaughn Miller ever suit up in another jersey. So we'll see. But a lot of that is contingent on multiple factors, including Vaughn's play and his willingness to start making some amends and or some some – not amends, that's the wrong word, some, um, you know, being flexible because Drew Locke, if he ends up being the truth, they're going to have to pay him. And then once that happens, Vaughn's going to, if he wants to, this team to be healthy and win and do its thing, he's going to have to come to the table. Some questions. And also a Bradley Chubb contract. That's, I mean, yeah. that's over the horizon right. as well. So a lot of guys, if, if this young core ends up being the, the, core that we think it's going to be, a lot of young guys are going to have to get paid. So Vaughn is going to have to kind of shepherd that, new era into existence by being flexible with the front office. Hopefully let's hope that's the way it shakes out. And luckily Uh, we're talking a few years down the line. It's not right now. Subscribers guys, we're literally one away right now. We're sitting at 6,999. So many, uh, I would say the last I looked, it was 35, 36% of our listeners that listen to every pod and every stream on YouTube are not subscribers yet. They listen to and check in on every single one. So if you're one of those, just check. If you're not subscribed, hit that subscribe button, get us over the hump, 
and we will put our 7,000 uh, plans into effect for later on this week. All right, guys, we are nearing the end. We're at one hour, and there's a few supers that are stacked up, and you know how we roll on this pod. We don't leave any of our superstars out in the cold if we can avoid it on a podcast-to-podcast basis. Mr. Boggins jumping in, not only a superstar, but a friend of the show. Without being asked, he's he went out and made a cool intro for the podcast that we've used on a few just for to mix things up. For legal reasons, Mr. Boggins, we can't use it on every single one, but we do appreciate the passion. Jumping in here, $10 super. He says, see, if we just put a couch on the field and ask Henry Ruggs to move it, he'll pull something. Side tone. Side tone. He did pull his thigh. Side note. He did pull his thigh at the combine too. Correct me if I'm wrong, Nick. I think it was a hammy, but yeah. yeah. Yep. So, I mean, haven't seen much injury there. Henry Ruggs, I thought he'd be a great fit for the Broncos because I think he's a really good wide receiver too when you already have Cortland Sutton there. But as far as the wide receiver one goes, I am really interested to see how Darren Waller and Henry Ruggs feed off each other on the same side of the field. You'll see some fun stuff there with, I guess, fun. We hate the Raiders, but uh, for the Raiders this upcoming season. But I'm with you. Put the couch on the field. Let's do it. Let's get weird. The hype for Henry and uh, Henry Ruggs and Broncos country got a little, a little much for my taste, but very, very good player. But I, I remain, as you guys know, I was, I wanted CD lamb number one, if the Broncos were going to go with the wide out, then Jerry Judy. So I'm okay that it's Judy over a guy like Henry Ruggs as, no as great as he is. No complaints. Ice cream said it all off season. That's right. Zika, Zika, Zika Bowden jumping in. Don't recognize your name. So thank you for the super chat means a lot to us. He says, or she, I'm sorry if I botched that. Love the pod, guys. Curious what you think about KJ Hamler's odds of justifying the second-round pedigree with so many mouths to feed. Very interesting. Your answer, Nick. Well, uh, I I did an article on it. I was actually trying to scroll down quickly to find it, Um, but it was about a month ago. I think it was Palmer, Palmer TV, uh, discussed Vic Fangio bringing in KJ Hamler, and Hamler – or. Fangio talked about Hamler being super important without even touching the ball because of the speed he brings from the slot. He dictates coverage. He means that if you play single high safety and that safety has to follow one side of the field, you're very vulnerable deep on the other side. So being able to dictate coverages, uh, not have as many guys in the box. I mean, that's all it's all football. It's a simple game. It really does come down to a numbers game in the end. So when you can have a guy like Hamler out there, even if he's not touching the football, he can impact the game. And that's something that's big. And all it takes is one touch also where he can have a huge impact. So explosive playmakers, that's becoming more and more of the game today. Pass game, obviously, but explosive playmakers in the pass game where you can get chunk yards on one play and Hamler can bring that easily. So even if he doesn't touch the ball one week, I think you can still argue that he can bring value because there's so much he can do without even touching the football. There you have it, guys. All right, we're going to get to these remaining supers. Rapid fire, unfortunately, because we're over the hour point, we do got to get these remaining supers very quickly. But first, real quick, James, he says, I'd love to see an MHH article on essential reading, a collaborative effort, a book list, as it were. On that topic, I have flirted with, you guys have heard me at different points over the years, reference books I'm reading on this, different football subjects and whatnot. We've already mentioned two tonight. Um, I've flirted with having a section, like a segment on the podcast of just kind of like some cliff notes version of whatever football book I'm reading at the time. When, once I complete it, just kind of going through interesting things that I think you guys might find compelling on the podcast. But as far as an article, that's definitely something we could put into consideration. Definitely something we could consider James and uh, we'll see. 
Real quick here, Nad Ludlow jumping in, showing love on Super Chat. We appreciate you, Nad. So consistent, and it means a lot to us, my friend. Um, let's grab Christy. You know you don't have to do that. You really don't. So <laughs> blows our mind just the, the generosity and the support. Thank you so much, my friend. Let's see. In fact, while we got Christy on the screen, let's see if it uh, updates. Let's see if we're over the 7K. We're at 703. We, we've officially crossed 7,000 subscribers. So you guys are going to be seeing Christy on screen in the flesh here. I'll be reaching out, Christy. We'll, we'll get it planned either for Wednesday night's show or Thursday night's show. I don't know what you got going on later this week, but if that doesn't end up jiving with what you've got on deck, we'll figure it out for maybe Sunday night's Huddle Up podcast. But, Christy, thank you so much for the super. You know you don't have to do it, but we appreciate you, my friend. And it's going to be fun talking to you in person. Here very, very soon. All right, Nick, we got a mosey on here. Eddie jumping in. Appreciate that. Super, he says, love you guys. Sorry, I've been MIA, was out of town. Hashtag love. We love you too, Eddie. Appreciate you jumping in real quick on the back end of the pod. Means a lot. Let's see. Um, James, there he is, man. From across the pond. So helpful, as you guys know. Huge member of the community on not just YouTube and in the chats here on the podcast, but on Facebook as well, and he helps out in our MHH Superfan group that is connected to Mile High Huddle's Facebook page. So, James, we appreciate you, bro. We love you. Cross the pond, showing some love with uh, those British pounds. He says, congratulations, 7K, baby. Hashtag celebrate. Hashtag football priest. Hashtag welcome home queso. Hashtag Nick's beer fun. Hashtag state of being in Broncos world. Getting them all in there, bro. We appreciate you. That means a lot to us, James. It really does. You know it. So, guys, thank you. Uh, yeah, we crossed 7,000 tonight as we were talking to you guys. Everybody made a push. Everybody got us over the hump. Zach here says, I know someone would sub when it flashed 6,999. I was tempted to unsub and resub real fast. <laughs> 7K. Ha ha. I just decided it was more prestigious to have the longer lasting sub. Hey, dude, it worked out. We knew we were going to get there. We're at seven. And Nick, just a quick reflection. We didn't cross. I mean, this this channel existed initially just because we wanted a place for the auto share where we where we host our speaker or our um, podcast. We wanted a place for the uh, there was an auto share option to go onto YouTube. And us being podcast guys, we know how many people listen to podcasts on YouTube nowadays. So we thought, well, let's start a channel so that we can have somewhere to auto share these pods. And then we started putting our videos on it. And then in January of 2019. We really upped the ante. We, we sat about 2,000 subscribers and then decided to really push the envelope and we started doing the live pods, up, uploading way more video content on top of this. And it's just grown exponentially. And before we know it, we know it will be at 10,000. We might even be at 10,000 before the season starts. It's moving really, really fast. So it's just cool to see how this thing has grown, my brother. Yeah, let's go for it. Why not? 10,000 subs, sky's the limit. Really appreciate you guys. Again, I've expanded, expounded upon here multiple times, but, you know, thank you. And thank you all the listeners for, you know, giving me a platform to come talk football. I mean, gosh, it's a dream. It really is. So appreciate you guys giving any hoots about what I have to say about the Broncos and the football in general. It's, it's really surreal. It never gets old. Yep. We pinch ourselves. It's cool. We love you guys. We're waxing long here. We're waxing uh, a little bit sentimental, but I think there's a, you know, seven, seven has a special number for Broncos country. So big thanks to each and every one of you who helped get us over the hump and who support the show and are here for every single live stream, 
every night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. You're there. So we thank you guys. But we got to get out of here for tonight. A couple of quick reminders here. Make sure you're following the main podcast account at Huddle Up Pod. And you can see where to find Nick here on Twitter. You, you want to find you want to follow Nick on Twitter. He's always sharing interesting football nuggets, not just Broncos, but draft, NFL, just stuff that's going to make you think while also keeping you entertained. Great follow on Twitter, at Nick Kendall, MHH. Don't forget, it's Kendall with an E, D-E-L-L, not A. A lot of people miss that. Yeah, yep, Dells, like the Wisconsin Dells. That's right. Myself, at Chad and Jensen, and then I'm off tomorrow. Zach's off tomorrow. We'll be back Wednesday night, but don't forget to join Nick and Carl tomorrow night, building the Broncos the, the usual time. Every day of the week, one podcast for every day in the week from the six to the seven o'clock hour local, you're going to have a pod. And tomorrow night, it's Nick and Carl. Yeah, don't worry. Tomorrow I'll have my building the Broncos hat on. I just figured I don't want to cramp your style too much today. So I wore my National Parks hat instead, just to, <laughs> just because I'm a National Parks nerd. But uh, appreciate you guys having me on and we'll see you tomorrow yeah. night. Yeah, thanks for joining on short notice. And Zach is appreciative as well. So thanks to each and every one of you for spending time with us tonight. A mile high salute to our Super Chat superstars. Thank you very much. We'll see you. I'll see you Wednesday night, but don't forget to join Nick tomorrow night. For Nick Kendall, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.